This was the Secretary of State speaking in Birmingham on Tuesday. Food and farming faces some of the biggest changes of any sector as we leave the EU. This was the NFU President speaking in Birmingham on Wednesday. We have raised a lot of questions at this conference. I have to say we haven't had too many answers. This morning we've highlights of the National Farmers Union Conference, plus a preview of another conference taking place later this week. It's the third year and obviously we've got more and more people signing up for tickets, so it's, it's getting well known as a great event to attend. Sunday, February 26, 2017. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Was DEFRA slow to act over avian flu? It's a question that's been raised by a group of chicken owners near Louth. This coming week, the restriction, which said all birds should be kept indoors, will be partially lifted. Though certain high-risk zones will very much remain in force, particularly near waterways, as we've explored previously on the programme. Well, now some are asking for a public inquiry into how DEFRA has handled the situation, especially in the early stages in the latter part of last year. Kat Makinson and Claire Henville are two who claim not enough was done quickly enough last December. They've been speaking with Andy Marsh. We, we were just very disappointed that we didn't have all the information when we needed it. We had to, to search everything out, filter through pages and pages of information that is much more directed at the large-scale producers and work out how it applies to us. Many people were still reading it as recommendations. This is what you should be doing if you can do it. Whereas it's actually, you have to do it, it's a rule. If you don't do it, we can fine you or even send you to prison. And we've got Claire here in a similar position, except it took even longer to get round to her. It did. I had to keep telling DEFRA, AFA and trading standards that Claire even existed and had chickens. Um, After three different contacts, they eventually did go and visit. I mean, just to sum up, how would you describe how the whole thing has been handled by DEFRA and whoever else has been involved? From my point of view, quite poorly. I, I would have liked to have been given information rather than had to, to search it out and work out for myself what I needed to do. And when it did get to the stage where, yeah, they were there, we talked about the fact that, uh, obviously, that they only gave a quick look at the chickens. Are there any other criticisms when they actually were doing some action? Are there more things they could have done? Yeah, some of the, the people that have visited from Trading Standards and AFA came to the property without disinfecting their shoes, which they're supposed to do before entering and leaving the premises, from their guidelines. And this is obviously extraordinarily annoying for you, but also you're very worried for your chickens too. Well, I knew that they'd been visiting other properties within the village and that we've had outbreaks in the village, so how did they know that they're not bringing bird flu to my flock? Now you feel that it's got to the stage where they really should look at the procedure and that you don't feel that doing this properly, not only for yourselves, but for generally speaking, for everybody who keeps chickens. Well, I think if the Environment Agency can send text alerts to tell you that you're at risk of flooding, why can't DEFRA send out a text alert to everybody registered or not to tell them, how's your chickens? So you started the petition. Just tell me a bit about that. Yep, the, the petition was after sending a letter to Lord Gardner, it was recommended to me to petition Parliament to see if we can get an inquiry into DEFRA's handling of the bird flu outbreak, particularly with respect to us backyard chicken keepers, as they call us. Kat Makinson and Claire Henville with their views on the avian flu situation. What, what do you think? Should an inquiry be held? Was enough done? Have you a similar experience, perhaps? Well, get in touch. Email us through the website. 
Well, as mentioned, those new measures we've discussed previously will come into force from Tuesday with higher risk zones, basically near waterways, remaining in force. And avian flu was one of the issues discussed at the NFU conference held in Birmingham earlier this week. Indeed, much of the conference focused on discussions we've had here on the programme over the past few months, whether it be avian flu, fly tipping, glyphosate and, of course, Brexit. Indeed, the latter dominated both days of the conference, with DEFRA Secretary Andrea Leadsom addressing delegates at the start of day one. Food and farming faces some of the biggest changes of any sector as we leave the EU. But with change comes great opportunities for what is also by far the UK's largest manufacturing sector. So I do appreciate that your members are looking for clarity on specific issues such as the future of direct payments, the prospects for seasonal agricultural workers, and access to the single market, to name just a few. And I don't for one minute underestimate the importance of these. And I want to be clear that as a major contributor to the UK economy, contributing close to £110 billion each year, there is no doubt that there will be support for our vital food and farming industry after we leave the EU. As I mentioned, glyphosate was another issue raised during questioning with Andrea Leadsom. Conference was told that the government's chief vet insists there is no risk to human health, a point backed up by the Secretary of State. Yeah, what, what I can say specifically about glyphosate, which I know is one of the potentially totemic issues for farmers in this country, is that we have absolutely fought for that uh, that reprieve um, that was given last summer and we continue to believe that glyphosate um, is, has plenty of scientific evidence to suggest that it's safe for continued use and we will continue to support that. But of course it's quite clear that to, um, to look at the fact that as we leave the EU we will continue to look at the science to be evidence-based and to, to choose and license those products that will benefit the farmers uh, and our food production whilst at the same time protecting our environment. On the second day of the conference, Europe was also top of the agenda with Minister George Eustace on a panel. He, famously during last year's referendum campaign, said that subsidies would remain when we leave. So does he stand by that claim now? I don't resolve from any of the things that I said during the campaign as part of the Leave campaign. And I said two two things. First of all, in common with uh, every other minister who is on the Leave side, I signed a letter to say that we would guarantee all payments up until 2020, at least for the lifetime of this parliament. We delivered that within weeks of the new government being formed. And that was delivered because uh, you had uh, all of those ministers who uh, took a stand and went on the leave side uh, and took a stand on budgets. And that is why uh, you can uh, look forward to having the payments you've got right out until 2020. The second thing that I said is in respect of what comes after 2020, Uh, I said if we stop sending our net contribution uh, or even our gross contribution to the European Union every year, we would have more than enough money to be able to fund uh, an agriculture policy going forward. And I also said that I was absolutely confident that Parliament uh, would want to do so uh, because we do have lots of rural uh, constituencies. We do have uh, lots of MPs writing to me about this. They care about agriculture. They care about the environment. And I said that new checks and balances will uh, kick in and Parliament will assert itself. Am I still confident that will happen? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, and will I be a champion for agriculture uh, in the years ahead as we design a new agriculture policy? Uh, yes, I will. But I was also clear that we could spend the money better. Uh, and I think that's right as well. 
we're not leaving the European Union and going through uh, you know, all of the issues and the work we have to do leaving the EU just to put in place a carbon copy of the CAP. As I said when I uh, made my opening remarks, the common agricultural policy has been a failure. It doesn't work. We want to replace it with something better. Uh, and I think that we can actually spend money far more effectively and uh, achieve our objectives far more easily if we're writing our own laws in future. Well, after two days of Brexit-heavy talk, the final word at the conference went to the NFU president, Murray Raymond. This is our first conference since the referendum. It will be our last conference before Article 50 is triggered. Next year, when we meet, the country will be halfway through the negotiating process of leaving the European Union. We have raised a lot of questions at this conference. I have to say we haven't had too many answers. We must make sure that by next year we have the clarity that the industry needs and deserves. It doesn't matter now how anyone voted in the referendum. Now is the time for us to all unite together. It would be easy to be pessimistic, to think that the changes ahead are going to be too much to deal with. That would be defeatist. We can deal with these changes. Farming is a very resilient industry, and we must come out of Brexit stronger. Yuri Grayman there at the NFU conference this week. If you want to see more, you can actually watch it. It's, uh, the videos are now online at the NFU website. On to agronomy then with Sean Sparling from Sparling Agronomy Services. It was uh, a bit of a challenging day on Thursday, wasn't it, Sean? What with uh, Storm Doris? It blooming well was, wasn't it? It was. Uh, there were chickens in our village laid the same egg more than once. I can tell you, it was proper for a while. Unfortunately, I was down in London at a meeting all day on Thursday, so the disruption trying to get home on the trains was absolutely extraordinary. Now, you obviously heard what was said at the uh, NFU conference earlier in the programme. I guess you're in agreement with uh, Andrea Ledsom on what she had to say on glyphosate, Sean. It is. Listening, you know, uh, losing active ingredients, we talked at length about it last week. And to that end, I will once again be down in London on Tuesday this coming week because I have to go and present a document to the MPs and the Lords outlining the effects it will have on UK agriculture if we were to lose the active ingredients and things like glyphosate, as we discussed last week. Um, but they, we produced a document. There are four of us who've contributed, um, and we are presenting that to the Lords and the MPs to try and make them understand the implications of what's going on. Um, and some of the figures that have been released just over the last few days that farming for every £1 invested produces £7.40 back into the economy. Um, it is a net contributor. And you look at some of the other big projects that are being supported while agriculture appears to be being sidelined. And you look at HS2, which for every £1 spent should deliver £2 back. So, you know, £7.40 back or 700% return on investment, that means farming needs looking after and supporting because without it, our last great industry starts to slide and we're in one hell of a mess as a country. Um, So agronomy then, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Not as much rain as I thought there would have been really. I'm now 42 mil for February and I've only really taken about 10 mil over the course of this last wet spell. 
Um, but the land is still very, very wet. But what you can see now, if you look at oilseed rate, you can see it moving. If you look at wheat, you can see it moving. And that's because four or five days of mild temperatures, the soil temperatures have increased. They're way above six now. And we're starting to get the onset of that early spring growth. And as it starts to grow, it uses what little bit of nitrogen the soil is able to release. So you need to top that up. So... It still goes back to what we said last week. Wet conditions are an absolute no-no. It, it, you don't want to throw it into the drains. And we could still get some winter yet. But when you look at oilseed rate fields now that will travel on good land um, and they're not waterlogged, then now is the time to start putting nitrogen and sulphur in particular on. I still think it's a little early to put things on winter wheat at the moment. Um, it's a totally different root system on winter wheat. It's a lot shallower and a little bit of rain and it'll wash through. Wheat does not look hungry at the moment. So prioritise those fields of oilseed rate which are most forward. If you've got backward ones, they're only going to want about a third of the nitrogen putting on them. Don't give them a 50-50 split if they're backward. And remember, the green area index is key to everything. There are various apps. You can take a photograph and it will instantly tell you what your green area index is. And the optimum is 3.5 to 1. So 3 and a half square meters of leaf to one meter of ground and if you look down and you can see about half the ground you've got an index of about one so um, you need to prioritize oilseed rape over everything else spring wheat spring barley um, conditions not brilliant but if you've got the right land then you should um, drill and try and get it in as well as you can possibly do it and if you're putting spring cereals in the ground because of a blackgrass issue then for goodness sake utilize everything you have at your fingertips as well so um, pre-emergence herbicides liberator uh, defy all of these things um, just make sure you're covered if they haven't got a label recommendation make sure you have the emu the extended authorization of minor use in your sweaty hand and in your office before you do it um Peas and beans, it's plenty wet enough for peas and beans. They really don't want to go in wet and they don't want to go in cold. So bide your time on those and prioritise everything else. But things are most certainly starting to move and plans are afoot. You can certainly start to see a little bit more uh, yellow rust about when you start looking about. Skyfall, you can find it quite easily in Skyfall. Reflection, you can find it. Uh, Septoria is widespread, but I think talking to the experts who know a lot more about the job than I do, it seems like the conditions are all perfect for yellow rust and septoria to move quite quickly this spring. Should there be a lot of stem base? Probably not. But nine times out of ten in this job, when you think something shouldn't happen, it will. So don't discard anything when it comes to your choices for T0 and T1. It's too early for T0 at the moment. And unless you've got foamer or light leaf spots setting off at a rate or not in oilseed rape, it's probably too early to put a fungicide on as well. Um, and remember, as we've said before, light leaf spot will not get any worse until you start getting milder conditions. If you're in doubt about whether you're looking at light leaf spot, pull the leaf up, put them in a polythene bag, pop them in the airing cupboard and you will see in about 48 hours whether that lesion and that spores are starting to produce. If that's the case, monitor it. One plant in seven is your threshold for treatment and you only ever get three weeks protection. So unless it's warm, there's no point putting it on. Um, and apart from that, we'll see what happens next week. We will indeed. Thank you, Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. On to grain, and it's Henry Young from Open Field this week. Well, with the ongoing issues, avian flu, obviously within Europe uh, and in the UK here, there has been global outbreaks of this, uh, also reported back in China. The real impact uh, of this on the on the wheat market, uh, feed demand, it's difficult to assess, really, because this could be all uh, underestimated, but we'll wait and see. 
But something quite interesting that I've, I've looked, actually looked at in, uh, this week in the news is uh, Russia and the trade sanctions that were bought in um, in March 14. And they're still holding at the moment. And actually, Russia don't seem to be missing the products. This could be something just to note, just to kind of think back about all those problems that were being discussed at that point. It's really an impact on the dairy products that they aren't now taking from within Europe. But also, the Russian grain prices are uh, competitive, but buyers are just sitting out while the high prices are there with the forward carry and the discount. No one quite knows what's going on there. And there's also some concerns over the uh, quality of the Russian wheat that's left, with various reports of high toxin levels keep appearing within the news. This obviously could be with their poor storage or the wet harvest of the crops, uh, but they are doing business still. Uh, The new crop weather conditions... Uh, are largely uneventful, uh, which concerns over the dryness within Europe. Uh, They need to be watched, obviously, with the dry rivers that we've seen with photos. Dryness also within um, the growing states of the US, this is a bit of a concern. There has been some recent rain, which has removed some of this, but it is still very warm there. Um, It's actually that warm that they are recording some huge uh, percentage changes, actually, in um, the ice melting within the rivers. Um, But this warm has caused some farmers to think about kind of drilling. Uh, Something that is is to be noted of is their crop insurance they have over there is this early drilling going against their crop assurance if they lose insurance will if they lose the crop will they then get paid out for it but the other thing is will we then be looking at this crop insurance post brexit again the questions are there to be asked and um, looking at the uk old crop it remains expensive versus other origins uh, there is kind of some carry into the new crop which is 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 at good prices the issue with a new crop hinges on the size of the carryout and the crop quality and also the harvest crop that we're going to be harvesting uh, in the summer. Uh, crop numbers could vary with the carryout. They could be uh, an averaging of uh, 15 million, but with the carriers close to 1.8 million, it leaves little room for exports, especially with the ethanol demand remaining strong. Currency, again, remains the elephant in the room with Brexit conversations on the new crop. It is affecting it. It is affecting it. And um, if we didn't have Brexit the prices would be actually £14 lower than they currently are, which begs the question, are these the opportunities to sell? Last week, we did see some Egyptian business. There was five lots of uh, 60,000 tonnes from Russia and one lot of 60,000 tonnes from Ukraine. There was a French offer, which is good to see, which means that they are in the hunt for trying to sell some wheat. Um, But to give you some ideas, these were very low bids and it could affect our markets as well. Having a look at those prices, so February feed wheat at the moment... 137 may 17 144 to 148 july 147 to 150 harvest 17 100 sorry harvest 17 126 to 130 november 17 130 to 134 group one premiums they're being squeezed three to four pounds over feed the feed barley market again is a poor price commodity as a result of the largely anticipated feed and quite where it's going a lot of the barley over on the east coast is actually having to move to the west coast to find markets having a look at those prices um, at the moment february 117 to 120 may 123 to 124 harvest 107 to 110 november 17 115 pounds the oilseed rate market as we know the harvest of the soil is currently going well uh, it's in full swing the prices are holding the australia's australian canola crop is big and our state is big. There is two cargoes that are actually uh, coming to the UK at the moment. One has been uh, landed and is being uh, taken off in Liverpool at the moment. 
And another one is coming up in March. So that has stopped some of the crushes actually uh, taking UK crop. Uh, in the 17 harvest in the UK is a big talking point at the moment about how well the Aussie rate will have overwintered. There is some questions about the kind of the flea beetle, what's being ripped up, what's still going to grow. Uh, so those prices at the moment, February is uh, 344, May 17, 347, harvest 311, and November 17, 319. I would hold on those prices and see what happens. The bean market, feed beans seem to have found a bit of a level uh, after some recent grain drives uh, with the spot buyers and a lack of beans actually coming forward from the farm gate. Are the beans there or have they been fed? The market is starting to feel as though it's run out of steam and the beans are coming forward with limited demand, which is seeing some spot cover with some quite nice prices. Human consumption demand is non-existent with Egypt sitting out the market. Feed beans are worth between 160 and 162 x March. Henry Young from Open Field. We chatted earlier about the NFU conference. Well, it's the Lincolnshire Farming Conference this Tuesday. I know many of you will be attending. Jane Southall is the director at the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. Jane, it's the third year of the conference now, isn't it? It is, yes. It's the third year and obviously we've got more and more people signing up for tickets. So it's it's getting well known as a great event to attend and we can keep seeing each year the numbers growing. Just remind us a little bit about the, the history of the event because it kind of stemmed from a, a previous sort of gathering, didn't it, and became this bigger, yeah. wider conference? Yeah, well, as you know, with the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. So we used to offer uh, the spring lecture, which is to our members, was once a year and it was on an evening and we'd just have people just do talk about various topics and we felt as things were changing, perhaps we should open it up more, calling... Calling, calling it the Lincolnshire Farming Conference and have it more of a day event and have the opportunity for more people to attend and more people to exhibit and also more speakers. And as you say, it's in its third year and we've already got plans underway for next year. Which is, which is good to hear. This year then, uh, one of the talking points, I know there's a number of talking points, we heard it earlier on the programme as well, Brexit. Yes. Uh, Guy Smith will be here. We've got Guy Smith, so he's talking post-Brexit. And I know as soon as people mention Brexit, everyone sort of stops to listen so I think that would be really good and we've also got um, three young people who are talking about uh, uh, working in agriculture so we've got Alex Olivant who's a farm business consultant and then we've got Alice Cannon and Alex Richardson are the both agronomists and they're just talking today about young farmers and the challenges they face and how they see farming in the future and we need to engage more with the younger generation I think that's quite a positive step. I know it was uh, something I think you got feedback from last year's conference that you know good good feedback from the younger generation but they thought why don't we do something specifically on it? Yeah we do and I think we'll see that growing as well we already have a group which we call under 35s which they meet at the end of the conference and it's people under 35 who are in agricultural or associated businesses just getting together and then they have social events throughout the year. So so as the Agricultural Society, we want to engage with them more, really. Absolutely, they are the next generation, aren't they? They They, are, They're going to sit in our seats and uh, our listeners' seats uh, for many years to come. Hopefully it's not next year. (laughs) No, 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 not quite, not quite. Uh, I think water management is also a key issue this year. It is, yes. We've got uh, Kelly Houston-Fisher from Anglian Water and she's talking about water management and we've got Bill Clark, who's a technical director of NIAB, and he's talking about managing uh, serial disease 
uh, and control strategies and, and, and lots more really. We've got speakers throughout the day. If people wanted to look at our website, there is details of the conference and also uh, the programme that's happening during the day. And it is a full day event. People can dip in and out though if they've got a special interest in, in, in part of it. Yeah. Um, but it's also a good chance to network. I mean, you know, we've had a, an uncertain year, if you like. It's always been uncertain in farming, but an uncertain year particularly. But there's a lot of positive I certainly see to hear that here on the program there's a lot of positivity and it's a good chance to get people in a room just to, to chat through things isn't it? It is and what happens it actually I say a full day event it starts at one o'clock and it goes on till 5.30 next year we, we probably will extend that time but you find that people you can go dip in and out of the talks to, if, if you feel that it's relevant or you want to listen to it and then we have people who have stands so they can go and actually talk to the people particularly perhaps if someone says something in a conference you know sometimes people don't want to stick their hands up now ask a question that they have then the opportunity to speak to them outside actually the uh, actually talks itself and it does tend to work jane southall there and we'll have highlights of the conference on next week's program if you're there on tuesday please do come and say hello i know the team from open field will be there as well the farming program five-day forecast well, I mentioned uh, Storm Doris briefly with uh, with Sean Sparling earlier. No Storm Doris this week. Be a storm beginning with the letter E next, methinks. But anyway, it's uh, an unsettled week, it's fair to say. Today, we're looking at highs of 10 Celsius. There will be some rain later on in the day as well. Still quite breezy, though. Southwestly, 20, maybe gusting at 40 miles an hour by the end of the day. Overnight tonight, uh, a lull in, in, in the showers, but the rain will return again by tomorrow morning. We're looking at lows of 5 Celsius, that wind continuing from the south-southwest at 10, maybe gusting at 20, 25 miles an hour for a time overnight. And then tomorrow starts off quite wet and grey, 8 Celsius the high. We're looking at the wind from the southwest, 15 miles an hour. Monday into Tuesday, some clear skies. Temperatures could be uh, just about at freezing points, maybe a frosty start to Tuesday. The wind from the south-southwest, 10, again gusting at 20 miles an hour for a time. And then through Tuesday, the possibility of some sunshine, maybe an isolated shower in places. Highs of a cooler 7 Celsius, the wind more from the west at about 15 miles an hour. Tuesday into Wednesday. Clear skies at first. It will cloud over later, though. We're looking at lows of about 4 Celsius, but that wind will increase through Wednesday. West, southwesterly, 20, gusting at 40 miles an hour. And that wind continuing through Wednesday again with the gust of 50 miles an hour for a time. Should be sunny, but there is still the possibility of an isolated shower. Highs of 8 for the middle of the week. And then the latter end of the week, well, it's going to remain unsettled. Possibility of some heavy rain to come by uh, the end of the week. We're looking at temperatures again near a 10 Celsius and it will still stay quite breezy from the south southwest. That could change, though. We will, of course, update you with our hourly forecast. That is the forecast, though. Next week, highlights from that conference taking place on Tuesday. Also, Tractors in Schools is back. Fantastic idea. Literally, as the name suggests, taking tractors into schools, promoting agriculture. It starts tomorrow, runs all week, about 50 schools involved. We'll have more on that as well with one of the schools next Sunday on the programme. Until then, as ever... Have a good week's farming.